guys. That's that's debatable for sure. And of course, uh, and of course, the Yeti. Yeti, I'm here with the Yeti. The Yeti, the Yeti. <laughs> oh, the, no, the Yeti's on. Is, is no, it yeah, the show? he's the yeah. No, it's <laughs> the Yeti's it, in the it's show. It's amazing. Oh what on the show was amazing. Oh god, she's so good. So, so to up to everyone, oh. we are watching Halloween Havoc NXT that happened this past Wednesday, and we just started. And um, right now, like I said before, the Amin Priest have the best entrance of the night, no matter what anybody says. And Shotzi Blackheart is amazing. Yes, she is. I don't like the whole stopping of the wheel. Because it's very clear that they're using magnets <laughs> so that they don't get the matches they don't want. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, you have to. Because, so, for those of you who don't know Buried Alive matches, uh, Buried Alive matches take a lot of work. They have to have oxygen tanks in the holes. Uh so that nobody accidentally gets injured. Uh, Mick Foley did a, a very big interview on it about it. I, was it the first one against Taker? That I think did the most like one? most like it was the first one where he took that crazy bump where he was thrown about ten feet into right. the grave, and, and he had to find and he literally had to find the oxygen tank because Taker was going to start burying him. Mm-hmm. I would never trust the WWE to set up a stunt after the. Like all the oh, so of stuff. everyone it, who, who should not trust them, he he should be the first person that should not trust them. Well, McFoley is a he's a loon. Yeah. Like for right, we, like we, yeah, we also saw <laughs> we also watched the video of uh, Chris Jericho asking people about the about taking a tack bump, and he says <laughs> oh. that. Uh, it went through all these hardcore legends, Bubba Ray Dudley, Tommy Dreamer, all these people who said that it sucks, and Mick Foley's comment was, I love it. Um, I'm still like... Say, how does it feel when you land on it? It feels like I have tacks in my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've still not seen matches when he was in Japan facing Terry Funk in those death matches. I, 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 I'm still scared to watch so those. So I watched, I watched the whole, that whole tournament. Oh, God. Uh, for, uh, it is... The, if... So they, if you love wrestling, it is something to watch, but it's one of the few amazing matches I do not recommend to everyone. Uh, if you are squeamish, do not watch those matches. Uh, for example, there is... So they do not file down the barbed wire. In yeah, the no, they actually use almost real-ass barbed wire. There, there is a point where uh, Mick Foley gets a spur stuck in his arm and rips it out in the middle of the match. Uh, it is so. If you guys are squeamish at all, that is not one to to watch at all. Yeah, I got to see highlights of that. My uncles and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Because they loved uh, the Funk Brothers, all them. Because before I really knew about Mick Foley, and that was popular over here. Just uh, but it was nasty. It's it's, it's hard. It, it's hard to get through. It's I, it's. Uh, I I have watched original. ECW stuff, and I I can't watch New Jack matches. No, uh, no. <laughs> but uh, but this is probably that tournament, uh, the King of the Deathmatch tournament, with the the finals of uh, Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk. It's probably the closest I've ever gotten to turn something off that wasn't like CZW gross out stuff. I, I used to hate Abdullah the Butcher. Like, seeing his... The human tomato dispenser? Yeah, he was nasty. Oh, my God. Like, I've only heard stories about him. stab people with forks and... 
Okay. Didn't he get one guy like hepatitis C or something? Yes. Um, yes, that was a. Pro- I remember that ESPN thirty for thirty. Was it Randy's? Was it Randy? Did Randy's dad get it from him? Or? I don't know. For per, per se, I just remember a third for third on ESPN does, when uh, they talked about that. He on YouTube, Hannibal, right? Yes. Hannibal. Yeah. It's uh, when I saw New Jack beat up that sixteen-year-old. I uh, that was horrible. Can't watch it. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, there. And there's not like, yeah. and that was not like kayfabe. That was like no. He, it was that legitimately was <laughs> that kid wanted. That kid asked New Jack if he could get any offense on him. So New Jack takes. A ra- like a straight razor, and cuts the top of his head open. Yes. And his dad's in the audience. Yes. And that poor kid, I get all the things that happened to him after. He's, he passed away, too, yes. like at a really young age. He was never the same after. New Jack also horrible. almost killed a guy by throwing him off, a ca- scaffolding. off of a scaffold which, into the ropes, yeah, because, which should have killed him. Yeah, because he even admitted that, um, New Jack admitted that he wasn't aiming for the tables. They stacked, I think, four or five yeah. tables high. Then he was supposed to throw. I forgot who his uh, opponent was, but New Jack even admitted, it's "Like, nah, I, I was trying to kill him." And like, you can tell New Jack throws him four to three feet away from the table spot, and like, literally toward the 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 ring to the ropes. Like, it's, it's not close. It's not yeah. close at all. He like, was saying that uh, it was retribution for him getting thrown off onto the cement and hitting. It's, it's yes, I think it was the same. It was like yeah. a similar spot between both of them. It was off. A uh, it was like somewhere in the stadium, I think second level of a stadium. It wasn't. Saying. It wasn't nearly as high. Yeah, no, that was There's... the scaffolding matches, man. I've seen only seen pictures and like a few videos. I think the only safest thing I've ever seen was Saturn sitting down mm-hmm. <laughs> the scaffolding, then doing a, a elbow drop. I'm like, that's the safest move I've ever seen off the scaffolding. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I <laughs> want to give a huge shout out to Dark Side of the Ring for those of you who who have not watched it. Yes. Uh, it's amazing. They do do a, a whole episode on New Jack. It's called The Life and Crimes of New Jack, yes. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that whole series is great. It it goes very honestly, very wholeheartedly into into things. Like, I, I knew uh, about the Miss Elizabeth Randy Savage marriage mm-hmm. rocks because I, I'm a huge Randy Savage fan, but I did not know everything they they dug up in that and yeah, the lex luger stuff i, I didn't mm-hmm. uh the chris benoit family they, they go very incident. in depth and, and and it's not like a kayfabe trying to protect any one way it's it's very honest vicky guerrero opens up very clearly on it about her feelings about what happened um some of the the other highlights they they go into uh, some of the the more uplifting ones because we're talking about some of the dark ones. It goes into the brawl for all. Yeah, yes. um, how it ruined Steve Williams and it, <laughs> and the brawl for all. Uh, I was shocked that they got both Jim Cornette and Vince Russo. They're they're not together, obviously, in the <laughs> no, same room, but they're not. both on the same episode. Well, uh, I think that Jim uh, he he uh, did a lot of uh, give him a lot of backstories. Right and stuff. They were like at his house. That he's the, the Cornette yeah. vault. Jim Cornette's one of the the people who's been on the most. Yeah. I think so. Well, he, you know, after that, they were remember they were asking uh, in the Chris Benoit, uh, how come uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan didn't speak, and he actually he never spoke about it until he went off with Jim Cornette a little while after. He said it was because I don't want to make the parents, you know, Nancy's parents, suffer more than they already did. Right. 
He's like, why am I going to defend myself by bringing some other people down? So if you if you listen to that podcast, it actually answers a lot of questions because like uh, Cornette was saying is they do a six-hour interview, but they're trying to make this show for like the casual viewer. And they can't put everything in there. And on the drive-thru, uh, Cornette does... Pretty much after every episode, he does a rundown where he talks about some of the stuff that they... He, he doesn't attack them, obviously, uh, but he, he talks about the, the things that they they couldn't get to because it's it's a an hour TV show. You you can't get like to everything. if it was me and it was at six hours, I would watch it, but your average person... Average person like, isn't... I think that what they should do is... Uh, break have an up. uncut. Yeah, and just like release little mm-hmm. episodes of it, you know. There, there's a few that, that are... Uh, that so the the Chris Benoit one is is two three. episodes. Was it, I thought was it was three. It, three. it might be two. It felt like three. It, it, it has it a was, lot of information. It was a very dra- emotionally draining episode. For and sure. they, but they also they're not uh, they're not biases. I think what I like because no. so when the the fabulous Moolah kind of when everything came out that was that two WrestleManias ago or three. It was, it was like three, right? three because yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was three. When when that came out, there were, there were a lot of people on both sides, but the problem was is that every interview was either pro Mula or completely anti Mula. That episode it, it talks to people on both sides, and it it it, it just presents it as as fact. Yeah. Um, so so that's uh, Dark Side of the Ring is is something that's highly recommendable. I would probably say to to start with the Chris Benoit one because it's the most intense. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but if you, if you want one of the fun ones, it, it goes into to uh, one of the the crazy promoters who basically ran his promotion on cocaine for for several years. Uh, I'm getting a, a lot of weird looks, but yeah, it's, it's like, excuse me. It, it's, that could have been any promoter. In the 80s. Uh, <laughs> it, it, let me let me see if I can find it. But it's. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of good episodes. Uh, My favorite was uh, the last of the Von Erichs. Oh, that one is an that interesting one's, one. It's hard to get through though. I grew up a Kevin uh, Von Erich fan, and I remember watching on ESPN uh, World uh, Class uh, Wrestling and the Von Erichs. And I remember Carrie was even a part of it. But to me, Kevin was like the big one. Like and and watching when there were still territories, watching the Von Erichs. And going to uh, watching like uh, Georgia wrestling, oh, and then seeing the styles uh, mid south, and then I remember uh, finally watching a lot of WWE, and I loved it. I loved all wrestling. Mm-hmm. I loved the show Hogan, Macho Man. I was a big Paul Orndorff fan. Orndorff. Uh, <laughs> I, I I loved the Dark Side of the Ring, uh, the Last of the Von Erichs. Uh, well, and so so here's here's a, a full rundown. Uh, the match made in heaven, which is about uh, the oh. the marriage of Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, the Montreal screw job, awesome. where again they they go through both sides of it. The killing of Bruiser Brody, which is is something that uh, it's it's kind of a lot of the intense wrestling fans know about, but not a lot of people. When a man was essentially murdered and it was covered up. Uh, the last of the Von Erichs, which is about the Von Erich family curse, and they they talk with uh, the last living Von Erich brother, which is still kind of surreal to say. And seeing his sons, the the in MLW mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Right, right. The death of Gorgeous Gino. Um, yeah, that was good. Which is uh, talks about kind of the connection of uh, the French 
the French Canadian mafia and and former wrestlers. Uh, it is very that one's another very intense one. Uh, the fabulous Mua, then the Benoit tragedy parts one and two. Uh, the the life and crimes of New Jack, uh, the brawl for all, which we we talked a little bit about. Uh, Jimmy oh, Snuka. Jimmy Snuka, I remember oh. that one. Uh, and the the death of Nancy Argentino. They actually talked to Nancy Argentino's sister, which is uh, again very it's it's very intense to watch, but it, it it's very um very informative. Uh, the assassination of Dino Bravo. I loved Dino Bravo before they made him that blonde weird mm-hmm. guy that was and and they they talk about that and then it, it's it's another one that it's. A lot of underground people knew uh, about his his ties with the mob, uh, and about his death, and about and his his daughter talks openly about because he had the promotion up mm-hmm. in like, Canada, so he had to do a lot of weird dealings. Right, right. And when he went to WWE, that was towards the end of his career. And it yes. wasn't the same guy. Yes, was, uh, they talk a lot about tape traders in the eighties. You're way too young. Yeah, I'm young. like totally I, like I, I still have I still have some of the yeah. the old Royal Rumble tapes because uh, we would you, there was a you'd go into the back of magazines mm-hmm. and then you would write somebody and they would send you a VHS that they yep. tape. That's and, a, that's so yeah. there was wow. a, the back of like wrestling magazines and we had a, a system and then you would mail them a, a VHS yes. tape in a big bubble wrap thing or a Manila envelope and they would send one back. We we used to have a bunch of them. I wish I still had them now. It would be awesome. And then we have uh, this. Then we have Dave Schultz and the slap heard around oh, the world, which that that's when um, it, it talks about the kayfabe of wrestling. Uh, when wrestling, you weren't supposed to break kayfabe ever. And a reporter uh, asked uh, Dave Schultz, and a famous oh, reporter. a famous yes. reporter asked Dave Schultz, uh, "Is wrestling fake?" And he slapped him to the ground and said, how fake was that? He slapped John Stossel so hard he made him a conservative. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's no, it, 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 again, this is, this is... These are... A lot of these stories are are not the... They, they go into some of the big WWE stories, but they're some of the more famous outside of wrestling. He had hearing damage after mm-hmm. him. They were so hard. Yep. Because I, I remember... I don't know. It was... Uh, the Vader incident, a part of this too, as well. Same time. Okay. Same time. Yeah, I remember. I remember that one. I was, I was right. like, hold on. <laughs> and then, then it, Dave. Uh, then it's uh, cocaine uh, and cowboy boots, which that's Herb the, Abrams. That's the '80s promoter who came up with U UWF. Uh, it's this is if if you want a, an uplifting one to start with. Obviously, Herb Abrams' story. I, I don't want to sound uh, sound rude, but Herb Abrams' story did end tragically, but. His story is insane, and it's like a snapshot of 80s wrestling. That UWF was actually part of the downfall of Crockett promotion. Yes. Because when he sold it uh, to uh, Jim Crockett, that started the downfall because they were mm-hmm. spending money like crazy. Right. Yeah, that's pretty old. Then uh, the last ride, uh, the Row Warriors, which is uh, particularly even oh, sadder based on, uh, on animal. what happened this year. But Animal is heavily featured in that. He talks very, very openly uh, about about Hawk, uh, about his history. And it, it's, it's kind of a – I'm happy that it came out this year because it, it's almost like a, a nice tribute to Animal. Um, and kind of everything that happened. And then uh, what I 
What is also intense was the, the season finale was uh, the death of Owen Hart. That's why I mentioned um, which I was I was watching live. So I think I watched live exactly. too. So that's yeah. why I watched that one because I remember that moment when Gr came on live and said um, Owen Hart's been brought to the hospital, but the show the show is going on. When I saw Jerry the King Lawler's like, face going like it, it, his face was like to me like. Saying like, what the hell are we doing? Right when it was, yeah. It, to me, that was like one of the and worst moments in the history of WWE. I I had tickets to be live at that show, oh, and geez. I'm I'm very happy I did not go. Uh, I don't think I could have handled it. Um, yeah, I, I I really it was too much. That guy would have been if they would have just used him properly. You got one of the best workers. And you put them in a cape and and uh, and here's uh, and and just to to tell you kind of uh, about how deep the 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 stories go and and so this is uh, I, I believe it's Jim Ross who was being interviewed uh, during the Owen Hart thing uh, he talked about how so he was obviously ringside during that uh, while Owen was falling. He was screaming at the ring work, the ring workers to get out of the way yeah. because yes. he didn't want to hurt them. Was, um, so yeah, Owen was screaming. Yeah, while well, Owen was falling, as <laughs> as he was, he he had to know he was plummeting to his death. He was trying to protect people. And I, the one thing I like, other than the Jim Ross part, when he remember hearing Owen scream to the people on the ground, is that. The turnaround, a few years after um, Owen's death, when WCW was uh, was taken over, and we saw all these great wrestlers come in, and not thinking about what could have been if Owen Hart was around, and he could have been one of the radicals, mm-hmm. right? With Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, and all those WCW guys, dude, it would have been right. great because Owen Hart, like even as a kid. He was an amazing wrestler. Like part of me still believes as a character and his dynamics, he was better than Brett because he told a better story as a heel. More, and he, he had more charisma. Yeah, more charisma. Even as a like a as a face, he had mm-hmm. more charisma. It's crazy what he did with Bulldog and Yokozuna as a tag team partner, and when he chased our title. You know, I think, and the dimension in that uh, the show was that he probably wouldn't have wrestled much longer because. He was saving every penny he could. He to wanted give back to, yeah. to his family. He wanted. He just. He just wanted to retire and and give his kids a, a great life. That that was his yeah. his goal at the end. Um, he probably would have done that. Have a cool wrestling school up there. Yeah, he and, he probably would have ran the dungeon and just yeah. been happy. Um, it, so I, I don't want to get too much into yeah, to yeah, bummers, just, guys. I don't uh, know, but I, I still we I fully recommend that one for sure. Yeah, that if anything. Proved, history, uh, wrestling history is awesome, mm-hmm. and and I think if you go with the history of old school wrestling, not really much today, you could tell what was happening in your time based on what characters were like in the WWF. <laughs> I was like, oh, War in Iraq, here you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like so, aliens are getting these signals going like. So oh, we we are recording this uh, on uh, on Halloween night in America. Uh, so so what I'd like to do is, is just take some time to to go back to to uh, a wrestling show that has been very prominent this year and, and kind of go through each of them a little bit uh, and talk about our our touch with it and then give kind of a, a bigger review 
of Halloween Havoc 2019. Uh, so Halloween Havoc does go back to 1989 in, in WCW. <laughs> I was only one. Uh, which God. it's uh, a, one of the biggest things to, to note about this uh, is is one uh, that uh, it was uh, the Great Muda having a match in WCW was was the main event uh, in a Thunderdome match, which again is goofy and, and weird. But the Great Muda. Did tag with Terry Funk in a losing effort against Ric Flair and Sting in one of the times that uh, Ric Flair was being was believing, or Sting was believing that Ric Flair had turned burning, uh, to be to be good. Uh, we'll talk about that a lot during Halloween Havoc because you can't talk about WCW without that happening. <laughs> this is so awesome because I have not thought about uh, the first one, and I'm just looking at the lineup, and I'm remembering. Lex Luger and the Brian Pillman one. That just mm-hmm. like, wow. Also, uh, also the skyscrapers. After uh, after one, uh, Mark Calloway had left, where it was Dan Spivey, who probably WWE fans will know most as Waylon Mercy, uh, was teaming with Sid uh, to lose to the Road Warriors. Um, which was another fun match. Also, the Freebird. This was. This was like the the highlight of WCW tag team matches. Is my my favorite tag team was there, the Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. Doom was there. The Steiner brothers were there. The Freebirds, uh, Johnny Ace, who has his own stuff. Tommy Rich. Yeah. Uh, it was so again. This was this was height of WCW um, WCW moment, uh, tag team wrestling. But just to to get a a sense of where where you were. The opening match, uh, Tom Zink, the the Z Man, are one of like five hundred people who've had that na- nickname. Uh, defeated Mike Rotunda. IRS. Uh, so he wasn't. Holy he, crap! <laughs> he was not IRS yet. He was not Wall Street. He was not. Uh, he was not part of the Varsity Club. Uh, this was this was just plain old Mike Rotunda, uh, just years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that, so that was nineteen eighty nine. Uh, so this was. NWA stuff. Go on, guys. Uh, then in 1990 was when we're we're still NWA, but this is when things are are starting to to pick up a little bit. Uh, it was uh, the the highlight uh, of this one was an NWA World Title match uh, where Sting defeated Sid Vicious, who's another guy who who it's it's very hard to to tie together because. Sid, uh, Sid jumps so much back and forth between WWE and WCW, um, but this was a uh, another uh, big time. And now Sid jumped from WWE to WCW multiple times because of his open ended contract or his people just not will just you're scared of him, right? Mm-hmm. They're like legitimately scared of him, so <laughs> he would leave randomly. And go to another promotion, and, and I don't think anyone still to this day would would have even thought twice about trying to stop him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he tried to he tried to murder Arn Anderson, who's who's one of the toughest guys in wrestling. He tried yeah. to stab him with scissors. Well, he did oh, stab him yeah, with scissors. Did. Didn't kill him. Yeah, it wasn't Arn drunk? Uh, yeah, it was. It, it's a. Uh, uh, also, that was highlighted in the downfall of WCW because Eric Bischoff brings it up in a weird shoot moment while stripping him of the title. Um, 
so so that was 1990. Then in 91 was when it, it shifted to uh, to WCW officially. Um, and so in quite possibly uh, one of the most ridiculous overbook matches of all time that people forget is not the main event, but was the uh, the curtain jerker, El Gigante, uh, who I is best known the best way of saying Giant Gonzalez. Um, oh my god. <laughs> uh, Sting really? and the Steiners <laughs> took on Abdullah the Butcher, the Diamond Stud, Cactus Jack, and Vader in a uh, Chamber of Horrors match. For for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's a a cage that uh, so there's outside the ring there's a, a cage which with a um it's a kind of an indentation at the top. In the center of the ring is a shark cage with a uh electric chair with right? an electric chair in it. Mm-hmm. And the to win the match you had to lock a member of the opposing team in it and turn it on. And it's an absolute crap show. Uh so the ending is is Rick Steiner is in the chair. Um, so, yeah, Rick Steiner is in the chair, and I, I forgot who's on the other... I think it's Cactus Jack is, is holding the, the switch. Yes. And Abdullah the Butcher forgets the spot, so Cactus Jack has to spend all this time pretending like he's a, he doesn't know how to flip a switch until Abdullah the Butcher wanders by the chair and Rick Steiner can switch the two. So he can, it's, it's one of those matches that... Uh, is you definitely should watch because it's hilarious. Uh, also on this card, we did have uh, did have Steve Austin, stunning Steve, stunning Steve Austin, taking on uh, defeating. Rhodes. Well, not defeating, but Dustin Rhodes when Dustin he's Rhodes. still known just as the son of the American Dream. Uh, it was uh, a time limit draw, which it's actually a good match if nobody's seen it. But followed it up. You have Bill Casimir beating Oz by submission. Kevin Nash. It is it is Kevin Nash <laughs> yeah. with a with a turban and short blonde hair, and his uh, and his manager is uh, is Kevin Sullivan dressed up with a with a Middle Eastern. Tr- Kevin Sullivan's all over this card as he in different costumes. It's it's just hilarious to watch Kevin Sullivan on this card. This as is sort you- of like the downfall of WCW right here. You can tell by the booking. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you see, like, well, you would uh, think this, but this is actually the the first downfall before Bischoff came in and, oh, and yeah, saved yeah. them. Uh, and then you you had uh, Lex Luger uh, defeating Ron Simmons in a three out of falls match. Of course, uh, this was when Ron Simmons was in the world title picture um, and eventually became the first African-American. major African American <laughs> uh, world champion. But this is also around the time where. They refused to pay Ric Flair, and Ric Flair had purchased WCW the world title because they didn't have the money. So Ric Flair left, took the title with him, and they had to have just like this indie title, and they basically taped on WCW champion onto it, and that was... uh, and that was Lex Luger's title. It's very fitting for how Lex Luger's career is as a wrestler. (laughs) Then in, in 92, uh, 92 wasn't uh, uh, a huge one. Ron Simmons, uh, of course, uh, was the champion at the, the time and, and did defend the belt. Um, Vader was in WCW. Uh, he was back from Japan at the time. Uh, but the the big match for this was it was a defecting Jake Roberts from WWF 
uh, taking on Sting. Coal Miner's Glove match. It, That's old school. It's coal Miner's Glove <laughs> is, is, again, one of those most ridiculous matches where if you can procure the glove, which is supposedly a weighted glove, you can use a closed-hand punch legally on your opponent. I think it would have been more dirt, like dangerous to use a dirty wrestler's tights than a glove. <laughs> uh, odd thing. Rick Rude with Medusa. Yeah. Yeah, that was not a very I saw that you said Ricky uh, Ricky Steamboat versus Brian, um, Brian McPhail. Man, that's, that, 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 could, like that should have been a, a, a night stealer there for sure. Then, then in ninety three, uh, ninety three, Steve Austin is still with the company. Most a lot of people talk about how Steve Austin was only in WCW for a while. He was oh, uh, he was a huge mid carder for them for a long, long time, and and had some some great matches. Yeah, he traveled all over the territories in, in NWA as with different names, and uh, well, he spent probably more time wrestling outside, like not as a personality, but. You know, as a wrestler outside of WWE. Right. And this is also uh, Rick Rude was in the company. Oh. Uh, had a match with Ric Flair at this event. Uh, and, of course, Vader defeating Cactus Jack in a Texas death match. Uh, so the spin a wheel make a deal that people saw this year started uh, in in the old Halloween Havoc. It wasn't this random thing that they, they had. Uh, so Cactus Jack and... Probably the Vader Cactus Jack feud is is most prominently known for for Mick up. Foley losing an ear. <laughs> uh, the, those two very much, uh, very much went intense uh, against each other. Um, oh, yeah, there's not much finesse with Vader. That's true. <laughs> and then in in '94, '94 uh, was was when WCW was in there. Uh, so Bischoff was was. Uh, was an executive at this point. Um, so things were, they were attempting to come up because of their big acquisition. And this was the, the dream match that everyone wanted to see, uh, but didn't want to see now because both were yeah. way past their prime. The The main event of this was, uh, it, it we had already had Hogan taking the belt off of Ric Flair. This was a, a follow-up match. Don't want you to think that this is the, the first time it happened, but it was a steel cage match of um, of Hogan versus Flair in a retirement match. Uh, I bet you guys didn't know how many times Ric Flair has retired because oh, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, they said in the territories he should have been retired like a hundred times. Also, uh, trying to uh, trying to uh, to kind of. Get back in the good graces of people. The special guest referee of that match, Mr. T. Oh, there Mr. T was the was the special guest what referee. What the heck? Wow. Yeah, now, will referee for food. Then, uh, then in '95, of course, everyone remembers this for for another uh, dark moment. Uh, this was when we had the. Um, this is when we had the monster truck showdown on the top of Joe Lewis <laughs> Arena, where they uh, they welded Hogan and the Giants monster trucks. Hogan won because he wouldn't even do the job in a kayfabe monster truck match, and then shoved Andre the Giant off of a parking structure. And then a few like half an hour later, the Giant showed up in the arena. Completely unscathed, looking fine, uh, and that took the entire uh, the entire Legion of Doom 
especially the Yete, <laughs> who came out and hugged Hogan to death. Uh, and so, uh, so the, and then in a, an overbooked thing, because again, Hogan would not go over Queen. The Giant won by disqualification because Jimmy Hart hit the Giant first. But Jimmy, that sneaky Jimmy Hart had defected to the Dungeon of Doom and had it in his contract that even if he lost by disqualification, uh, that Hogan would drop the title. This, of course, led to World War III where Savage got his first uh, his first WCW title, but Hogan changed the booking in the middle of the match so that he never was queerly eliminated. The Giant pulled him out underneath the rope, and then during Savage's uh, first title win, it's Hogan in the ring bitching about how he, he didn't lose. Um, Randy Savage got it dirty. In, in w- if you guys don't know, it, it, got, it was very... Dirty. Uh, Randy Savage won three WCW titles, and his longest reign was about twenty-four hours, right? Yes. nearly twenty-four hours after each one. And also, <laughs> also, all of those men, all of the, if you go back, every one of Randy Savage's world title wins involves Hulk Hogan in some way, mm-hmm. which upsets me to no end to this day. Because the story was never about Randy winning; it was always about. Hogan not losing, yep. and that always followed. That always followed with them too, uh, and it's weird that it always followed them too. Also, there, there's so there's a lot of horrible fun in this match, in this in this card. Uh, so there, there was also um, when Sabu, who during his like three months stay in WCW, defeated Mister JL, who was Jerry Lynn in a mask. Uh, and this was the match <laughs> where uh, where the Sheik, who is the um, who is uh, Sabu's uh, real uncle, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, territory, right? uses a fireball on Jerry Lynn without telling him. <laughs> hits oh him with a fireball. God. After the match is over, there's no cameras on him. He just hits him with a fireball without telling him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Also, a Sting and Rick. Fla- so this is also the match where, where St- Rick Flair had been kicked out of the horseman, uh, and Sting again, trusting in Rick Flair. Trusting in his buddy. Um, so Ric Flair was injured. We didn't see it, but he was injured before this match. Uh, so he doesn't come in. So it's a... a um, Two and one. It's, it's a, a, a handicap match at the beginning of Arn Anderson uh, and Brian Pillman against Sting. And then Ric Flair comes in and everybody's excited because it's finally faced Ric Flair. And there's, a, there's some great 80s, 70s ring work. where <laughs> There's one part where uh, Sting... I think he's in a Boston Crab. It's some submission. And he, he looks up at Ric Flair and screams, Nature Boy. And Ric Flair screams, Stand Tall. And it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and eventually Sting gets the, the fire back, tags in Ric Flair. Ric Flair struts and then punches Sting in the face. And it's amazing. And, <laughs> and, and it's so good. Uh, this was also the time where uh, Hogan, uh, sorry, uh, Flair and uh, Savage and Lex Luger are in their, their feud, which was intense. Uh, Savage is legitimately injured and working through it, and they they put in some great matches. Which, if you have not seen Lex Luger matches in a while, go back and watch them as an adult because they are hilarious. Whenever Lex Luger is touched, he screams as if somebody is stealing his children, <laughs> and it is great. Um, and is also, this the point where Miss Elizabeth was, is with Lex, or I, am I, I tripping? Was, I think this is right before Miss Elizabeth signed on. Okay. If you look at not the matches themselves, 
but if you go buy the wrestlers, there's a lot of great wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Dude, but the, but the matches are horrible. And I, this, this really, was, even Chris Benoit versus Dean Malenko and what well, this is pre- Steven so Regal. <laughs> these were all these were all before the show. Yeah, the yeah. the uh, oh, so again going through the dark match. These are the dog dark, dark matches. The dark match Eddie Guerrero bad. versus Disco Inferno. That's, which Disco Inferno was a good was a was a good worker. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Paul Orndorff, who who was in WCW, the Renegade took on, defeated the Renegade. The Renegade was. Uh, the Renegade was WCW's attempt of stealing the Ultimate Warrior. Essentially, <laughs> they they had a man that they they promoted. So they say they weren't, but they were promoting him as the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, he he has a sad story. I don't want to oh, okay. attack the guy, uh, but um, it's, like it's not his fault. Be called, be called the Renegade. <laughs> it's, it's not his fault. Uh, but Paul Orndorff, then Chris Benoit, and Dean Malenko Dude, versus Stephen Regal and Robert Eaton. That just um, sounds amazing. It was. It's a great match. You're, you're looking at some of the best workers ever in the dark, in the match. dark match. But then, <laughs> dark oh my match. but then, then you have to you have to bring it back down because the last main event is we don't want to get the uh, the the big uh, the kind of big momentum. It's Craig Pittman versus VK Wall Street, which IRS I will always love IRS for his character work. Not he he was Randy. He was the Randy Orton prototype in the ring. Where it's let's slow oh. this down, <laughs> um, and then the first match, and it's it's I don't remember if it's three or four pay per views in a row where the the first match of the of the the card was Johnny B Bad Mark Marrow versus Diamond Dallas Page, and it, it goes in subsequent order. The first match, which was this one, he loses. Uh, so uh, Page loses the television title. To, to Mark Marrow. The next month he loses his manager, which was uh, Kimberly Page. Uh, and then the, and his uh, millions of dollars of bingo winning money. <laughs> yes, this was, the feud was built on bingo, bingo winning money. money. <laughs> uh, and then the, the, la- the third month oh, was, uh, was he lost a retirement match to Johnny B. Bad. Uh, and in WCW fashion, uh, Diamond Dallas Page was retired for less than a month, and he won the Ring of Champions after. Uh, so <laughs> if, you, if you haven't watched it for, for laughs, 95 Halloween Havoc is a classic. You know what? I want to rewatch it just for the names. I want to see those dark matches. I really are are the dark matches on WWE Network? Does anybody know? Oh, I have not. I've not I, looked at Halloween I've, Havoc. I, I've only watched the main one on the network. Oh, okay. I have not watched. <laughs> it may have been the time where they didn't have tape and they could. You know, they, oh god! They, they were just like taping over it, like uh. NASA did with like old footage from the moon. <laughs> then if it wasn't on the pay per view. Buy we can't show it. <laughs> who wants to see? Who would want to see this later? <laughs> then in uh, in '96, we're we're fully in the swing of of NWO NBA territory NBA. here. Yeah. Um, and also Eric Bischoff territory because the Luchadors are, are on this card a lot. We have Psychosis, uh, Juventud, uh, Ray, Dean Malenko, who wasn't a Luchador but wrestled in the cruiserweight style. Uh, Six was there. Jericho was there. It was there were a lot of of great wow. matches. The first uh, Eddie four was matches there. were all cruiserweight matches. Um, but but to to tell you. Uh, to get where where things were, this was when the Outsiders uh, took back the the tag titles from Harlem Heat, and the the main event was uh was was NWO versus NWO where Hogan uh, defeated Randy Savage and to a... to take the title, and it was the weird thing where uh where the giant defected into uh into the NWO. NWO. It was overbooked NWO I, everywhere. I noticed in a lot of them that woman was. Uh... 
Yep, and yeah. woman was there. Um, uh, yeah, this was highlight of when NWO, and it's what uh, people debate it now. Was was NWO was so big, but to me, you had to strike while the iron was hot. It was the biggest thing in wrestling. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't uh, kind of go away from it. Uh, and then ninety seven is is another <laughs> another very dark time, but starts off for New Japan wrestling fans in a match that everyone su- should watch. In America, it was Yuji Nagata versus Ultimo Dragon. Uh, it's both of them work their their butts <laughs> off in that match. It's beautiful. Followed up by Chris Jericho <laughs> facing Guido when he was still a wrestler and in a bucket hat match and Keish almost killed Chris Jericho. <laughs> this is this is the one match of his career where Chris Jericho cannot go back and watch. He he has he has openly said he will not rewatch it. Uh, there's it's. Uh, a Spanish fly off the top rope, or, or it's a—I think it was attempted Spanish fly. That, yeah, I think they call that a Cosby now. That uh, possibly where uh, Jericho does not complete the rotation. It's, so Ooh, both of them, both of them don't go through terrible. it. Jericho, so he he could have broken his neck very 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 easily. Uh, this is another one that don't watch if you're squeamish at all. He ends up breaking his nose very badly, but he should have broken his neck the way he landed. Oh God. Um, it's it's difficult to get through. There's also in on this card. There's a uh, Kurt Henning versus Ric Flair uh, wow. match for the oh, U.S. Wow. title. Jeez, uh, it, it's not it's not a full match. Kurt Henning is an NWO member, so at this time, oh, that's when, like, uh, more more uh, bad stuff than like. Oh, wrestling. it's not it's not like end of Mister Perfect years. No, and it, this is this is also when uh, when. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper was the the head of WCW's counterattack against the NWO oh, because man. Sting was still a free agent. And then there was a there was a cage match that was supposed to be for the title, then it wasn't, then it wasn't, then it wasn't. They decided that Piper was going to win because of NWO WCW shenanigans. So of course it wasn't because uh, you had to build up for what was the hottest program in the world, which was uh, Sting Sting Hogan. Uh, so you couldn't take the belt off of him. But of course, at the end of this, uh, this was also at the time where prepping for it was uh, where they were giving all the presents to Hogan, and he had the, his head in a box, and Sting <laughs> swung down. But this is the match where there's ten thousand Stings in the arena. Uh, that's just random guys that are face painted. I, I think the downfall of any organization is when you have a Larry Zabisco now on your on your roster. <laughs> I've noticed that AWA <laughs> like. He just appears when before your promotion dies. He's like the he's like the um, oh my god, what do you call it? The death. He's like the cancer, the death ward. <laughs> yeah, man. He's like. And oh, then you know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. And then ninety eight, uh, which is uh, this is usually on people's top five cards for the worst wrestling card in history. Um, which starts off strong with two of the greatest performers again in the history of the business. Oh my God. Where you start off with Jericho, Jericho and, and, Raven. and Raven for oh the television title. Um, but also uh, some of the things on this card that just Disco did Frodo not. And, uh, Julio Guerrero. Oh, there's uh, the Rick Steiner and Buff Baglo, uh, Bagwell match versus the Giant <laughs> and Rick Steiner. Where So the. Oh, the oh, premise what? the premise was that uh, Buff Bagwell had turned his back on the NWO. To, to help uh, because he was tired of them doing stuff. And if Rick Steiner could win this match, 
then he uh, could get fu- he could get a match alone against Scott Steiner, which makes no sense considering Scott Steiner was in the match on the other tag team. And then Buff Bagwell comes in and immediately hits Rick Steiner, and Rick Steiner beats men three on one <laughs> to win the match. Um, and it, and it, does anybody remember who he gave the tag team his other tag team title belt to? No. Nancy Bagwell, Buff Bagwell's mom. <laughs> uh, this, this was also the match where uh, they were doing the shameless talking about uh, Scott Hall's drinking problems. Oh. And he has the Scott Hall versus, uh, versus Kevin Nash match where Scott Hall comes out with a with a drink, I don't know if it was, it was a, a long, drink. Yeah, it was a Long Island. I remember mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff. But he was yeah. Eric Bischoff talked about this match where, like, though it was a work, right. Scott it's, Hall actually got you know. He it just was supposed to be a work. Uh, supposedly, Scott Hall got actually actually He's a method actor. Around yes, yeah. and uh, he would and actually Nash, drink drink too. Nash just uh, power just jackknifed him and then walked out of the ring. Yeah, it, it's a, Scott Hall like, oh, threw yeah. up in that match, right? If mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Right. I thought he did throw up the, during that match. I remember, I remember a story about the Daniel that. Daniel Day Lewis of uh, a wrestler. Oh, we, uh, we're just hoping that Scott Hall's like back. We on we hope course. he's okay. Because if I, if he, you guys know that he he did have an incident this week, I don't. Again, I don't want to drag somebody through the mud, but we hope he's okay. Yeah, because um, he's gained. He he made so much progress in the last few years. So right. we are rooting for him. Also, also, this was uh, Bret Hart versus Sting, which on paper sounds like a great match, but Bret Hart punched Sting in the back of the head with brass knuckles and knocked him out. Was the end of that match uh, again? Be behind the referee's back because it was they were teasing was Bret Hart in the NWO? Was he not? Oh. And then what? <laughs> many people have said is the worst wrestling. I, I can't say it's the worst wrestling match of all time. I think that will always be Charmel versus Jenna Maraska. Oh. <laughs> um. But it's it's when Hulk Hogan got WCW to bring Ultimate Warrior there to get his win back, and then uh, it was it was just awful. Did have I know Keish? You've always seen parts of this, but Nelson, have yes. you seen the whole match? I haven't seen the whole match. I, I probably just saw clips of it. It's uh, it's it. an eighties shooty match for most of it in nineteen ninety eight. It's it's an eighties shooty just hold on yeah, pumping each other up spots. None fest. of them are technicians, so no. all they do is just like you know like they punch each other in the face a couple times, and the guy gets hulked out. And then it it ends with Hulk Hogan is sitting in the corner. Supposed to be he at the end of the match is supposed to be he uses flash paper to throw a fireball at Warrior and then pin him. Uh, Hogan is he? She, you said it looks like he's testing the lighter. No, it, look, it, it looks like when he did the fire paper, like he just first got the fire paper. He's like, oh, I should make sure that this works, and that's what it looked like. Like, all right, he's gonna try to do a little bit. When he, when it. The whole thing flashed in front of his eyes. I don't think he knew what was going to happen. If you look close, uh, the network has edited this match down, but if you look close on old silver screen VHSs and stuff, <laughs> it, you, there's a moment where Hogan's mustache is on fire, yes. and it's hilarious. Uh, and then Eric Bischoff has to book a ma- has to book an ending to a match. I, I love Eric Bischoff, but he, you, can't, you can't turn this around. He has to book the ending to his... Millions and millions of dollars of a match live 
when he isn't in the ring. So Eric Bischoff comes to the ring, shoves the referee in his jacket while Horace Hogan uh, comes to the ring and attacks Warrior, and that's that's the end of the match. Uh, also, that's not even the worst of this match. This match uh, goes on for uh, so over time that we miss one of the best matches in WCW history. Yeah, it's 14 minutes. This should have been... That match alone, I remember they said it's supposed to be a 10-minute match. It's, it says it's 14-18, right? Right. Jeez. And it uh, it almost went to... Uh, so a lot of people, because pay-per-views were on hard cutoffs then, missed the main event, which was an amazing match between Diamond Dallas Page and Goldberg. Goldberg was still in the middle of the streak. This was, this was the moment that a lot of people say is when the streak should have ended because uh, Paige was so over. It's a fantastic match. The Diamond Cutter hadn't been kicked out of in, in years at this point. Paige hits the Diamond Cutter, but it takes him a while to cover Goldberg, and Goldberg kicks out of it. And it's, But again, WCW had to give away this match on Nitro because a lot of people missed it. I think preceding the Goldberg Dials DDP match, I think DDP beat Macho Man like a few months before with the with the Diamond Cutter, and that DDP, set up that set up the whole like, oh, DDP is actually believable. He just he was beat on, Randy Savage. He was on fire at this point, point. Uh, and then ninety nine, this two thousand was was epitome of WCW going out the door, but. Uh, but this girlfriend is still there, though. Give him props. Is, this is <laughs> this is when it is is definitely starting with the the overbooked stuff. Like <clears throat> Lex Luger couldn't be Lex Luger; he was the total package. Um, Sting <laughs> defeated Hogan for the <laughs> title <laughs> earlier on in the match, or earlier on in the night. Uh, and Goldberg defeated Sid Vicious earlier on in the night uh, for the United States title. Uh, and then they had to have a match for, for all the belts later on. in the it's WCW was just, it's, this is it's Vince Russo trash. Anytime Lash LaRue's uh, in a match, I, I watch. Holy crap. <laughs> and then, uh, of course the 2000, is just the, the oh, last, chronic. the last kickings <laughs> of, of a dead, of a dead, dead horse, uh, Reno and Sergeant a wall. Um, that's, <laughs> that's just the start of the night. Uh, of course, he, Vampiro was Vampiro, who was the young, plucky upstart. He was, I think, he was in his mid thirties. Yes, uh, but he's, he's like the, the replacement for Raven, right? Yep, he's yeah. the young, plucky upstart they're trying to push. And you could go back and see promos of Hogan trying to put Vampiro over. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, Vampiro was, I think, done with his. Uh, he was either done or before the Sting. Where Sting ran around with fake blood on himself for like two months. Here's a second sign of a of a promotion going down. Shane Douglas. Oh, <laughs> oh Shane Douglas! Oh wow! And of course, the main event uh, was if Goldberg couldn't defeat both members of Chronic, he oh, would have to retire. Uh, uh, that's right, Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Um, Jim Duggan. Oh my. God. <laughs> I can't. Oh man, I saw a chronic on there, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's my moment. Or I'm like, no wonder I stopped watching WCW. So <laughs> so, let, so before we get into to kind of the big review, which was this Wednesday's night, Wednesday night. Um, what are are your you guys? What memories do you guys have for uh for Halloween Havoc? Because I I think despite going through that through all the laughable things, um. I just want to hear your opinions on what you remember. The one thing I truly remember, and I 
no, I I believe this is Hanley and Havoc is Rey Mysterio's first match in the all purple suit. Like that's like iconic. I only remember that because of you know Rey Mysterio is a small dude. I was a very young kid, so that was really cool. Just seeing this small guy fly around. He looked like the purple phantasm or phantom? He, he was trying to be the phantom. The that phantom? was that was his. It was one of his first. Uh, comic book inspired. But all I remember from most of the Halloween Havocs is, uh, you know, with all the costumes. And I love Hooventude. I love Psychosis. And um, the DDP Goldberg match <laughs> that I watched Monday Night Raw instead of the pay review. Um, those are the matches I really enjoyed. But the Cruiserweight division, man, on pay reviews, it was truly amazing and made me fall in love with Hoovy, uh psychosis and Rey mysterio and that was very happy to be la parka was part. also oh la parka with the chair oh man good times so simple <laughs> so simple uh for me it's a it's a mix mm-hmm. of the first three because growing up uh nwa fan and all that right right i think it was later on that the matches when Hogan went over, I just I flipped to WWE or F. Uh, right. I don't know something happened to the wrestling I liked, but I loved seeing like the Samoan SWAT team. I loved for some reason oh, the Road Warriors and uh, the fabulous Freebirds. I remember the, that match against Johnny Ace for some reason uh, against uh, John Laurinaitis. Oh jeez! <laughs> but it's a really weird dumb matches. That I remember right. more than like the main events, and when I was reading the lineup, because I haven't thought about this in a while, I go, "Oh, I remember like that match or something." But for me, like the first, probably the first three or four, just see, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I didn't watch after that, but they were they seemed pretty awesome. Just like they they weren't as clownish as they got towards the end. <laughs> and it, it, I I have. Mostly positive memories, but for wildly different reasons. I I laugh my ass off at some of the some of the Halloween <laughs> Havoc BS. The Dungeon of Doom, if you haven't watched it, go back. So Wrestling with Gret- Regret has done videos on it. Uh, old School Wrestling OSW Reviews has done it. Um, it was hilarious. Um, just, just go back and look up Zodiac promos, which it's the butchered beefcake in black and white face paint. And you could only say yes and no. Um, it's, it's, it's peak like hilarious wrestling. But also the it was when gimmicks were okay and the stages were were great. I think any of us who played in '64 almost always on uh, World WCW NWO World Tour. Um, would always pick the Halloween Havoc yes. ring because it w- it just looked so gorgeous. Um, Even walking down the ramp or what the ramp was in that game, I like mm-hmm. that's why I, that's why my my vision about Halloween Havoc comes from that game, not from what I saw in pay per view. I really like the gimmicks from WCW like, right. or or their events. American Bash, Halloween Havoc, Bash at the Beach. Oh man, like those, those sets are sick. <laughs> more than I like WWE ones, like WrestleMania, of course, right. but. I just remember you're like Halloween Havoc. You're a kid, and we're yep, like, oh, it was I exciting. I tried to convince my mom to pay the money, and she wouldn't. You... And I'd order it when she wasn't around, and then get beat up later. But, yeah. <laughs> and, and and talking about that, um, let's let's kind of start the the in depth 
review, which was uh, WWE NXT's Halloween Havoc, uh, bringing it back in 2020. W, no, sorry, CWC, not WCW, which is, I started, once I saw the <laughs> it, it Halloween Havoc, weird. and it I saw weird. CWC, and I was like, I know to not just do this. <laughs> um, so, so let's start off with, with kind of continuing on. How did you guys feel about having a set again? It felt amazing. It, it was really weird um, with, you know, how the set is uh, made up now with the glass and the chain and the fence around the around the ring where the barricade is. And then having a random graveyard on the side where it's on the side, the same side as the hard cam. But having the full set or a set again, especially for NXT, mm-hmm. that wasn't technically a takeover felt really nice like with the pumpkin um i barely remember seeing the ghoul but i guess the ghoul was there i might have been super mistaken tremendously and like with the you know and we had one of the greatest hosts um you can ever choose yeah. to for this night of with shotzi blackheart and her three amazing costumes mm-hmm. and yeah go ahead, i also. remember like, i was at work and i would turn on my phone and i wasn't i wasn't expecting anything out of this but then when I saw how they had everything set up, it's like, this is awesome. I was like, this is when, you know, the, the setup and the entrances and everything. I just, I thought everything was great. I, 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 you know, it wasn't, it wasn't boring. It's, it's great. And uh, a big, big WWE has uh, has a star in in Shotzi Blackheart. She she could be the future of professional wrestling, uh, in my opinion. Um, and a big part was they le- they did not try to WWE eyes her in this. They let her be her. If you guys haven't seen the promo from uh, after NXT last week, so before Halloween Havoc, um, go and watch it. It's, it's setting up for for the EO Shotzi feud that that we all know is going to come. Uh, all of us are hoping that we stretch it out to take over at Mania. Um, but it's they they let her use a staple gun in a promo, which is in which is insane that WWE let her. I think before uh, before we started the uh, podcast, that's why I was like, did uh, somebody else book this? Because mm-hmm. it did not seem like uh, Vince McMahon. Because you know, right. they're totally against anything like that. And, and they they let her use the chainsaw sparks too. Yeah, yeah no, like they they allowed. At least for her to do a lot of stuff. I think, I think she got all the blessings from Triple H because of it's her got, time. Uh, someone else's fingerprints. Yeah, definitely. And also, this is so. Usually, I am, I'm pretty against outside interference in title matches, but it, it worked here because they're they're trying to build up Gargano as the heel of NXT, kind of. Um, now uh, that now that Adam Cole and and the Undisputed Era gets kind of the mixed reactions. Um, so I, I'm okay. And the, having the ghost face thing, it was, it was fitting. And also this having it kind of be a tongue in cheek pay-per-view where it's kind of comedic. I, I was okay with it. I, 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 I kind of get the whole Johnny Garano and Candice LeRae and the Gargano way being the bad guys. I just, it's kind of hard to treat them as bad guys knowing that they both dress as Disney characters. <laughs> That's what kind of bothered me. Like it's cool costumes. Like uh, Candice dressed as Sally and, Gargano dressed as Jack Salinson, and I was like, oh, okay, these are cool, but I'm like, 
oh crap, they're supposed to be the bad guys. I'm like, I totally forgot about that the whole time when I saw them come out. And I was like, this is just really odd to see, you know, a heel dressed as a Disney character, mm-hmm. right? That's like, that's, you can't say that and be like, that's intimidating. Right. <laughs> you know? I agree Since I'm older than you guys, like to me, except for, you know, to me, a heel is a heel and, a, you know, mm-hmm. they, a baby face, you know, they don't. Yeah, it was. A, but it, then again, like, if you look at, some of the younger wrestlers, like in AEW and stuff, that's you know, it's a yeah, culture it's, now. For the tweener people. era is still very strong. Yes, uh, and, and the next uh, big thing—it wasn't a match; it was actually a, a promo. Uh, so Pete Dune uh, turning heel. Oh, we actually did. Did we? Do you want to go over that first match, or was it? Was that the first part? Yeah, Johnny Gargano, oh, the, really? the Gargano uh, new champion. Yep. Uh, we should say oh, yeah. G- Johnny Gargano uh, becoming uh, NXT US cha- the first two-time two NXT champions. US champion. Still with you know, the Damian Priest had the best entrance. For a tombstone, even if it's on con- like on concrete. Yeah, I know it's a tombstone. It still makes me go like, oh god, that's like there. There's <laughs> there, there's actually a joke in TNA where it's uh, so so tombstones are the are are notoriously hard props to use and there's a joke in tna where um there it's the sting versus abyss match where uh to win you have to put them in a casket close it and then lift it up into the air and uh the the tombstones are obviously cellophane but sting is a is a great worker so he's acting he's selling this this tombstone as he's trying to pick it up that's heavy Five seconds later, Abyss picks it up like a styrofoam and just throws it. It's and I'm like, come on! Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like the empty boxing when you think a box is full mm-hmm. and it just goes. Oh. Uh, so after after the Gargano match, we we do have Pete Dune not only turning heel but uh, joining himself in this little faction that um, McAfee crew? Pete McCaffrey <laughs> Pete McAfee has going. And uh, you guys have stronger opinions of of Pete of. Uh, McAfee than, than I do, so I will kind of turn it over. Go ahead. Oh, I'm going to start again. So, I've, I've, you know, with his match at TakeOver against Adam Cole, does he, is, is he a talented worker? Yes. Is he Was he a talented kicker? Of course. All right? I'll, I'll give him all the credit in the world. For me, he doesn't move the needle. <laughs> he doesn't. Like, I like the tag team of Orkin and Birch. I love them. They were the most underrated tag team in NXT. Bringing back Pete Dune, and he's like shredded as hell. Is hella cool. Then you see Pete McCaffrey or McCaffrey, and it just it doesn't ring menace. It rings that I have money, <laughs> and you don't. This is why I have these three guys next to me. And I get it. He's and like I said, his match against Adam Cole is a good match. Very spotty. He did a lot of stuff I thought he couldn't do. But at the same time, mm-hmm. for me as a fan and just to be like, oh, this is the big reveal is very underwhelming because I don't care who they put in front of the of the UA because with Undisputed Arrow, it's the UE. It doesn't it doesn't matter that the, the Undisputed is going to win. There's no if they had any other person as their fourth member or if McAfee just gets a fourth member so he's not in the match then I'll be more excited for that. But with, if it's just these war, it's hard to like really get excited for it. And just, it's just really hard because it's, he doesn't, like I said, he just doesn't move the needle for me. Um, just, I was at work. I sort of saw it come up. 
And I skip. <laughs> I hate him. Like I don't not Jay Whitish. I, you know, he's got a little his new little stable going or whatever. That's yeah. cool. I don't like him. Yeah, I don't. You know, I was I just went. I passed it. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I I'm surprised I got to the part when when he Pete Duke uh, Pete Dunn came out. I I I paused. I pressed play again instead of pressing fast forward. Then when Pete Dune like actually hit Kyle Riley with a chair, then I press fast forward because <laughs> that's all I needed to see. I didn't have to see anything else. I didn't have to want to. I didn't want to watch that guy clap. I didn't want to watch that guy go on his promo telling how he's gonna have the best. Fact. No, just skip the match. And I actually was so happy of the next thing that was happening, which is Cameron Graham just Dexter Loomis. <laughs> and go ahead. Oh, so this, this like for me, Dexter, this the whole night, Halloween Havoc, the the MVP of the whole night was Dexter Loomis. I'm sorry, was Cameron Grimes. When <laughs> the beginning where he's trying to convince Regal that he didn't want to face Dexter Loomis, and Regal's like, "Well, there's a, a ride coming to for you to come get you to bring you to Loomis for for their match." For I forget what it was called. I can you tell actually what the what the title of the match is between uh, them two. I think it was the House of, House of uh, I think it's the Halloween Havoc uh, Haunted House of Terror Haunted match. House of Terror, yeah. I was like, I didn't know. It just seemed like hilarious because the first part of the whole thing is um, Cameron Graham's walking out of the building. He's like, "Come on, Regal, let's let's go there together." And Regal doesn't follow, and the door closes behind Cameron Grimes, and the van comes up, and you can clearly see the person that's driving the van next to the person that's in a costume <laughs> that's pretending to drive the van, which is hilarious. Then who? They, they weren't trying to cover it. No, <laughs> it, it was just it looked like that was like, oh, you know what? We're gonna try to get through this. Thing, this and who pops out of the van? Of course, is Michael P.S. Hayes in his Freebird talking, dressing, and he was just like going on. And his mic was like just like really fuzzy, or his music was way too loud, so you couldn't really hear anything he said. He was rambling anyway, just like his Hall of Fame speech. No offense, his speech was more than two hours long itself. He he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh he, yeah, my, he's always drunk now. So then, Karen <laughs> Round gets in his van, and he, they go off to the Howden house and. I swear, like watching that match and all the stuff they they have Kramer guys be scared of, and the clips of having lights on and lights off, and it's right. amazing. And, and one of the <laughs> the best things about this is like they they split it up, so they have the quote unquote entrances, which was uh, which was this was a, the pickup to to go, uh, and then they they go to the Escobar Atlas match, which. It was an okay match. It was three minutes long. It, it was. How do you build up a ma- Jack Atlas was the only one to pin Escobar the whole freaking tournament, and you give him a three minute match? What the hell? And it was, but it was built. This this match was built around a costume. It was built on Escobar wearing Ray wearing Ray Mysterio's, Mysterio's outfit. Costume. That's that's what this match was. <sighs> it, I think they, I think they wish this would have been two hours. And I think they booked it thinking it was going to be two hours, but because it went it went way over, it went way over their hour slot, and USA thankfully kept it on. Um, but I, I think it, it was they wanted to do too much, and they're like, we have to they have to keep taking away from something. It's like the February thing where they wanted to make months thirty one days long. They kept taking it from February, 
And this was, they kept taking minutes away from, from this match. It's just really weird because Jack Atlas, even last week, how they set up the other match with the triple throw with the, tag, the three tag teams, three-man tag team match. It was just really weird how they set it up because it didn't feel like Jack Atlas deserved a shot at Escobar, but they gave him the shot against Escobar because of what happened like almost six or seven months beforehand. I don't know how long ago that was. But it just seemed really odd because Jack Atlas's team didn't even win that match. He cost them the match. So that whole setup to that to, uh, to that match where it was Escobar versus Jack Atlas, it was just like, wow, that was just a waste of... For me, it felt like a waste of time. They could literally just kept, you know... There's a good shot of Grime, Cameron Grimes running for like three minutes. They could have just right. extended out for six. Because <laughs> it was hilarious too, but uh, but then we we get to the the proper start of of the the haunted horror match, which is uh, this is just uh, a lot of horror movie callbacks. I I found it hilarious. Yes. I, there's a, there's a lot of mixed reactions, but I I don't know what what you guys saw I like about it. it. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> was fun. It cracked me up. I showed non wrestling fans it at work. And they're like, "What is going on?" They thought it was a lot, most people liked it. The the having the referee in the corner thing was was quite possibly Blair Witch. It was Blair one Witch. of my my favorite <laughs> moments in wrestling for for since since probably the the Firefly Funhouse match. It was I so this part just and also again they did something very smart where it's like we know this is comedy. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. We know that they don't. They're not gonna like the cinematic match style, so we we get to uh, they they do a cutout and they have the the Ripley Raquel Gonzalez match, which I, I had strong opinions one way, but I, I feel other people had strong opinions another way. Raquel should have won. That's my strong opinion. That, that's part of my strong opinion. <laughs> she she should have won. Like Raquel, we all love Rhea. She's she as of, she's done. She's awesome. I, she's I, done. Ever yeah. since her something they lost, which she didn't deserve, and her. NXT not being pinned, EO pinning her, not Charlotte. It's she's done. It's it's rough because she had such a good build from coming from NXT uh, NXT UK, um, and just wrecking there, coming down to NXT and having this like I would say even like fire of Becky Lynch getting caught catching fire to hit WrestleMania, and now she's here, like. And I'm very confused, like, what they're planning for her and if they're going to have her face EO because this should have happened days ago. So I, I like Raquel. She reminds me just of a very female version of Kevin Nash when he was with Shawn Michaels and with hair and Dakota Kai. Perfect, perfect match made in heaven for that feel. I'm like, why aren't they? Uh, Ripley's awesome. Uh, to me, she should be, like, a, a raw star. She should I don't know. It's like really weird because, you know, I don't see the shows every week of NXT and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I tune in or something, I'm like, what are they doing with her? What? Like, she's so awesome. She's got the look. She's a beast. Uh, I, I don't understand what. So, I guess it's whoever's booking. I, I So I talked, uh, I think it was the last show or it might have been two two shows ago about uh, I have kind of a three strike rule in in wrestling, where it's like if they give you three, it, it, you make three big mistakes with somebody, they're they're kind of done. Uh, and and Rhea's gotten there for me. It was her first promo on NXT where she just she kind of stumbled through it, which you're nervous 
Understandable. And all right, and it's not like like you, NXT UK is taped, so mm-hmm. you have chances for right. a backup. So when she went to NXT Live, which is understandable, mm-hmm. that's acceptable at least. Uh, Charlotte was was the biggest miscue. It wasn't on her, uh, but it that killed any and all momentum losing that match. The reason to lose the match anyway, and and then. Then EO pinning her instead of Charlotte. Uh, and that's that's three. And it's just your momentum's dead. You have to, to me, if you want to build them up, you have to completely change the character. And it's. it's I think I know what she needs, but they don't do it now. It's a manager. She Because that's what a lot of wrestlers need today. They need a mouthpiece to get them over. You know, she's a, she is intimidating. Uh, you know, she, she's got the look and stuff. She had a Heyman in there or a, a Cornette type person. They could put her over. I, I think that's what she needs. Well, if she actually, well, there is a manager asking for her services. <laughs> if she wants to join that system. But um, I want to go, if you go back to this match, I swear for both these ladies, man, I strong backs, strong, strong backs, man. This is this is the back match for sure. This is really good. Very much. <laughs> oh, yeah, really I, cool. I was reading that article, and I do agree, the, the Jeff Cobbish Tour of the islands that she did. Yes, that's what they're saying right there. Yeah, she's strong. Yeah, no, they, this is this is really cool. Just seeing these two women, they're they're super, they're super strong, they're super beefy, and both their moves show power. It's not like you know Samoan drop. No offense to Nia Jax, it's not just Samoan drop. It's well, like they lift them up, they hold them up, and then you're going down. Yeah. Well, Nia Jax <laughs> is uh, like one of she gets more than three strikes. She seems to. Have, Mess somebody up every because match. who's her cousin? Yeah, the <laughs> Rock. Oh yeah, and she's she cousins with the, with Roman, right? Yeah, she's yeah she's part of the Simone. She's part of the Simone dynasty. Sorry, not of the Dun dynasty. Part of uh, disabling most of the women's roster with. Bad, with oh jeez, and, and <laughs> then we we go back to after after Rhea's, uh win. win. We we go back to Cameragram's running back to the performance center. It's <laughs> and it, this is this is when to me it gets amazing. Uh, Drake Maverick is pretending to be Hulk Hogan. I uh, that's I hmm, I I have mixed emotions, mixed emotions about that. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, but we Drake Maverick can do no wrong for me. True. So that's that's why I was okay with it. But we have a Yeti sighting <laughs> to hug him to death. <laughs> And Killian Dane as the Shockmaster, <laughs> and it's it's just awesome. just listening to it. It sounds stupid, but watch it, and it's amazing. You can tell it's wrestlers that know their history and that want the laugh because they know their history. Michael Hayes' freaking uh, fanny pack is huge. I just noticed that <laughs> it looks like a backpack. It's <laughs> like. I can tell if a wrestler's rich or they say you, you're farting through silk. He has a whole silk outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're talking about these like ninety signy packs, yeah. not the not the twenty nineteen twenty twenty fanny packs. Yeah. Classic picture. <laughs> and, and also in a moment that that I feel was WWE making fun of itself and uh, WWE CW, we have uh, an appearance by cosplaying zombies. Yes. Oh man. I, I, I like the zombies because they give them the whole, like, stop, then they have that rush moment where they move faster than how they're supposed to move, and the, they look possessed, which is, you know, super hokey, yeah, but it, it's hilarious in this stuff. This, this was a, a fun, it was a fun match. Um, it, it, this is a great, if you're just, if you're a horror movie person, whatever, and the right person, I feel, went over in it. 
it was it was a fun match, and and I would recommend it. Yeah, Dexter Loomis is like very cold stare, and everything is, is so good. And I will always remember Cameron Grimes saying, "You better mess up, stop doing that." I'm Cameron Grimes. You don't know who you mess with. I'm Cameron Grimes as he falls backwards in fear. Oh man! Like if you if you, for me though, there's a lot of really good matches matches in this in this card. Watch the Texas Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. It's the biggest, greatest feeling in the world. Then I, I think uh, the so so for those of you uh, who don't know, uh, I I love Io Shirai as an in ring performer, as not an in ring performer. Uh, I I have a, a huge crush uh, on Io. Um, this this match is. is is sensational. Um, it, it's it's not a typical five star. It's it's not uh, like the the high emotional thing that you got with uh, with Bailey um, Sasha. with Bailey Sasha. It's not the five star technical classic match. Um, but for a TLC match for somebody who uh, somebody who I I feel like they don't have their chemistry together fully between the two of them. They they both want to put on a good match and work their asses off in this match. Yeah, there's a many times where you see the match and they have these little random slip ups where it's like they stop because they're both supposed to swing at a at a different time, but they forget what time. And that happens a lot, but they're, the match is still great, and they pull up the whole highs and lows, and even the even the finish where the bump that Candice Ray took, I I was like, whoa, because that was super ladder. dangerous. Yeah, because she went knee first. Super dangerous. She went one knee first, not knees first. Mm-hmm. One knee first, then she landed on her back, and I was just like, I really hope she's okay. And like Johnny, you know, kayfabe or not, Johnny ran out and made sure she was all right, and that was pretty cool. Um, just a CEO on top of the ladder with her title. I was and surprised thing. the bombs, man. I didn't think they would take it that far. I'm like, oh Jesus! And uh, so, so this uh, the ending of this match had a had a huge swing for me. Um, uh, Ghostface, uh, the guy who who's dressed up as Ghostface, who helped Gargano win earlier, uh, comes out again um, and puts Candice on Nelson's uh, about to spit out water. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of the Yeti. So Ghostface does come out again and, and puts Candace on top of the ladder. And I, I thought we were going to have uh, James Ellsworth, um, James Ellsworth, uh, Carmella situation. I, w- I oh, really thought okay. that was going to happen. I, thought, I was thinking of the Rhino Christian situation. <laughs> uh, so, so I got scared. Um, but. WWE knew who the star of this show was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shotzi came out. Uh, does it? It had to be a wrestler. I, I haven't looked up the rumors of who Ghostface was. It had to be a, a male wrestler. Um, but Shotzi showing off shocking strength to get him up for an electric chair. But again, it's it's a guy who's much bigger than her, both weight and size wise. She she miscalculates it a little. She she does save it. I she almost. Does an electric chair shot where, drop where she dropped him would have dropped him directly on his neck on a steel chair, but they they worked it out. It it yeah, the comes re- the ref moved the chair. It comes yes, yes. it comes very close. Um, but but 
And and no fault of her, she can't see behind him. Right. when all, all is behind her and is a crotch. She, I, I mean, mean like, <laughs> look at look, and look at the people she who she's been working with recently. Um, uh, Dakota is is a tall lady, but compared to to whoever was in the ghost face get up, much taller than than Dakota. Um, but but EO retains here. Uh, there, there is one part of this match that that I found very interesting that I'd like to to talk to to you guys about. Um, yes, EO should have won. Yes, Shasi should have gone gone over. I should have gotten over because this was her show mm-hmm. and she deserved it. Um, how did you guys feel about Poppy? I didn't know she was actually like singing. I thought I thought so, it was so, I thought it was lip sync. I swear, and I was I like, was no way. Some of it she was supposedly singing. Uh, I thought it was lip singing. Yeah, it was, uh, Millie Vanilli. And yeah, no, and you know, a hey, no shot, no like no knocks on her. I think she, I think she performed live on yeah. NXT before. Poppy is an interesting character. Uh, she claims to be a religious leader. Has these video, these weird videos where she pretends to be a robot. Um, <laughs> but it's super, super over in the the horror community. Obviously, has has at least some kind of a friendship with with EO. Um, it was it was interesting. Uh, I I would say a big thing is I, I've seen a lot of people turned off to this match because of that, and a lot of people watching it just because of Poppy. I I would that I would say kind of judge it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, watch EO Shirai. If if you guys don't do anything else, just go and watch. Uh, just go through and flip through the NXT account to see all of Shotzi's outfits that she wore during yes. the show. Um, or follow Shotzi on Instagram because she has all of them on there as well. <laughs> give, give give Shotzi as much credit as you can. She she is it's besides Roman, uh, she is by far the most interesting thing in. North American wrestling right now, as well as Oakland native. So holler to the North Bay, yes. <laughs> and NorCal too. One of us at this table may have sold a piece of furniture to her father, oh. <laughs> which is uh, that's a funny story. We'll save it for another day. Uh, it's uh, there's stuff. There's, I always want to bring up that story if I ever get to meet her and be like, I because I, I still remember the chair her father bought. I guess he's the one who actually introduced Shotzi to me, which is pretty funny, but. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go into that. Where uh, where can we go from here? Well, I just want to say that the production—that's where AEW lacks—is mm-hmm. the the production crew and everything is top notch. WWE, when you're watching, you're like everything was awesome. The camera work and everything. Over overall, this has been uh, to me. Uh, this has been the uh, kind of going to to the end of this. Um, yeah, the end of this podcast. Uh, after we we've talked about Halloween Havoc, uh, I want to highly recommend people go and watch this show. To me, this has been by far the best TV show of of the year. Um, AEW, NXT, uh, whatever you want to call it, WWE. Um, this has been that. It's it was pay per view level. If you were comparing it against pay per views, it might be my. Favorite pay per view of the year. If you take out the Firefly Funhouse and the uh, the Boneyard match from WrestleMania, uh, for me to have this follow Hell in the Cell um, <laughs> helped me tremendously because Hell in the Cell was a very difficult time um, because 
of what happened with Roman and, and Uso because it was very emotional. And to go to this where I had laughs for real reason, then have it follow a great match. Hopefully, we get to talk about about um, Walter versus uh, Elena Dragunov and how going from emotional to having a great time for Halloween and having this match where it's like, oh, I thought someone died. <laughs> so um, this was perfect. I, I agree. It's, this is one of the better NXT um, shows so far. Um, but, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm happy I got to see NWD brought back the whole I, Halloween I watched attic. it in pieces, and I would, like, stop, and then whenever I got, like, 10 minutes, I'd, and it cracked me up. I thought it was great. It was so entertaining. Like, as wrestling, as... And as a show, I was people were wondering what I was laughing at. <laughs> I'd be sitting there, and I'm, they're like, "What are you?" I'm like, "Like what is that?" I'm like, "Wrestling, wrestling." <laughs> it look, you know, it looked like, yeah, it, uh, uh, it was fun. Yeah, I, I've I think watched enough wrestling, like yeah. other promotions, to know if it's the best. But it was the funnest one for me. I think uh, all three of us are saying go back and, and watch this, yeah. or at the very least. Look up Shotzi. Give her some some follows. And hopefully this does yeah. continue. Like Halloween Havoc becomes a thing just for NXT. And next year we'll have another one to see. Yep. And we will be uh, back with a review of Hell in the Cell uh, and also talking about the uh, upcoming New Japan news. Yes. All right, Keith, get that... Uh... That's oh, yeah. your outfit, your Halloween outfit. Oh God, <laughs> let's not talk about that. We have a good night, guys. <laughs> Happy right, Halloween. Gosh. Get that, get that bucket hat, buddy. <laughs>